Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Joey C, Joey Licious. I don't feel right calling you Joey Licious. I feel like we should have like HR involved by that kind of situation. And um, <laughs> be a big I know, right? Or Joey Casada, how you doing? What's up, dude? Thanks so much for having me on. No, well, I'm glad. I mean, like I said earlier, you you play with so many people and you've done so many things. You're, you're acting. You're you know you're writing books. You're wrestling. You're you're you're, you're everywhere. I definitely never thought I'd be writing books when I started my uh, musical career. That's for sure. But you do you do a lot. We're going to just talk a little bit the basics that you know, earlier on for people that aren't familiar with you because I want to get everyone involved and there's a lot of different stuff out there on you. And then we're going to we'll wrap up and we'll talk about your book too because I want we're going to do the full Joey Joey Licious event tonight. All right, so uh, you got it. Right. So I first noticed you and learned you back in the day. Probably was I don't know. Is that most people like Xerox? Is that for most people probably your first? I have to I have seen that you probably first yeah it's my them. first national thing yeah my band ZO2 uh, we were an unsigned band we actually toured the country with Kiss as an unsigned band we were together for about oh my god maybe six months or so we did about eight or nine live shows recorded our first uh, full length CD on our own funded it ourselves and through different channels we got the CD over to Paul Stanley who just happened to have an opening on their new Rock the Nation tour, which Brides of Destruction, which was Nikki Six's band back then, was supposed to be on that tour with Poison and Kiss. And, oh, wow. you know, they either backed out or got fired, depending on who you talk to. And they needed someone quick and easy and cheap. They, they gave us a call. <laughs> Paul gave us a call. And, you know, we, of course, lost our minds being the three biggest yeah. Kiss fans on the planet. And we got 50 shows opening for Kiss. That's insane. How did the crowd take you guys? You know, we, it's funny because, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a big Kiss fan. And I saw Kiss throughout my life. And the opening mm-hmm. band never got a good reception. Unless they were an established band already. Right. And, you know, we were warned. And even the Kiss crew, Gene and Paul especially, came up and said, listen, guys, you know, don't be offended if if the crowd doesn't like you at first. Just do your thing and see what happens. And weirdly enough even from the very first show by the end of that first show we got a standing ovation we got the crowd into it and from there there wasn't i can honestly say and and anyone has who has been to any of these rock the nation shows and i have every show on video and or audio there wasn't one bad reception from the whole tour which is insane from a kiss crowd that is insane it's also insane you have all 50 shows recorded like your grateful deadhead well, it's, I mean, it's my own band. We had, it's, the sound, like it's we had the sound mix every night, of course. We were studying it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's, fans don't go over well with Kiss or other people. Oh, they have a certain fan base. But you guys are pretty fun, though, because it's the same energy from the show. And, you know, it's kind of contagious. It's a fun thing. And it's a, Kiss is a fun group, you know? Yeah, we were three, you know, we're three goofballs from Brooklyn. The way I originally met the singer from ZO2, we were actually in a Kiss tribute band together. <laughs> and... So, you know, right off the bat, I think the audience heard his vocals, very reminiscent of a Paul Stanley slash Steven Tyler type vocals. Our songs are very Kiss influenced. So, you know, I think it was an easy take for the Kiss crowd. So from there, so you did Z-Rock. Was it around the same time, right? How did you get Z-Rock? It's a weird thing. Yeah. So again, so the band, like I said, is we were a brand new band, ZO2. And to fund all of this stuff that we were doing, you know, Kiss did pay us to go on the road. A lot of bands always assumed that we paid them some obscene amount of money to be on the road with them. Not really? true. You're like, they what actually, money? 
Yeah, they actually paid us. We didn't have any money to pay them. But it's still, you know, we still wind up either breaking even or losing a little bit on the road. It was a lot of expenses and stuff like that. And we had just funded your first tour with Kiss. You do not you do not lose. That is a resume piece right there. Did not lose. We we basically broke even. And, you know, but we had just funded our first record, too, which was about thirty five thousand dollars. And to do all of this. And I know this sounds crazy, but the the premise of Xerox is true life. We were children's musicians. We would play birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, communion parties, anything that we could do to make some money during the day to fund the rock band at night. And it just so happens we were playing this little kid's birthday party one day and this guy comes over to us and, you know, we looked like this. We didn't look like the Wiggles or Barney or anything. And he's like, what the hell are you guys doing here? You guys are playing like ACDC and the Beatles to these little kids. You look like rock and rollers. And we said, you know, sure. It's funny you should say that. We're playing BB Kings in Times Square tonight. Why don't you come down and check us out? Came down. You know, we were hoping maybe the guy, you know, liked us or something. It turned out the guy was an agent at William Morris, which is one of the biggest agencies in the world. And we were hoping to get another tour out of it or something in the music industry. But it turned out, the guy was like, sorry, guys, I can't help you there, but I'm actually in the TV business. So we said, okay, let's do a TV show. We didn't think anything of it. We were goofing around. We had no idea what we were even talking about. He, you know, he was stone, stone-faced. He's like, okay, write me a little treatment. I like the idea of this Clark Kent Superman type thing. Clark Kent during the day with the kids musician <laughs> turning into these rock stars at night. So sure enough, we wrote this little treatment, cut a long story short, in the process of a couple of years, we got picked up for our own TV show. Wow, that's pretty crazy. So the stories are influenced from what you did. <gasps> I was just actually just watching the Bar Mitzvah one, actually. It's laughing with you. you know, With John Popper. <laughs> yeah, that one you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on Team Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of this stuff was, you know, of course, it was highly exaggerated. Everything was well, of course. to the max. You know, much like Cur- we, we filmed it much like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Our director slash producer was one of the original directors for Curb. And he had this vision of doing it much like Curb because, God, we weren't actors. We couldn't, I don't know if we could deliver lines, but we could sure as hell play ourselves. You guys are pretty good. That's why I'm surprised yeah. like, where this came from. Because I'm like, I think it's, and you have a comedic timing that works out well, you know. And you know what? It, it's just, you know, the three of us were together for a while at this point. We already busted each other's balls all day long. That's all we ever, ever did. The mm-hmm. other two guys in the band are brothers, so they grew up together. So the stuff we did on the show was very natural. You know, we always called it, it was reacting rather than acting. They would, excuse me, they would surround us with all these amazing comedians and rock stars from Joan Rivers to Dave Navarro to Dee Snyder and John Popper and Gilbert Gottfried. And most of them were kind of loosely on script. So they would deliver lines to us that we had no idea was coming. And we would just react to them being ourselves. And so, you know, it was, it was a lot of improv. Yeah. It was quite uh, an eclectic crew too. You had like Sebastian Bach who's done his own thing. And then you had, um, the Greg Giraldo. Yes. Unfortunately, he, passed away. Unfortunately, passed, and he was like such a funny guy. So oh, they, they they really filled the show with with amazing people, and Alan. it's funny not people that you would normally like immediately think of when you thought of TV shows and stuff, especially a show like ours. But 
they had this weird mixture of of people on our show that just turned out to be perfect for what we were doing. Like for instance, John Popper, we had no idea John Popper would be a a good guest, wild comedian guest. We just know John Popper is that crazy harmonica player. He turned out to be one of the funniest guys we've ever seen on camera. That is crazy. I mean, Joan Rivers makes sense to me because she always delivers whatever she's at. So you guys did that. You got two seasons out of it too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we did uh, 20-something episodes. It was it was the highest-rated show in IFC history at the time. D- it did wonders for our careers. You know, from there, you know, we we really catapulted. We got a lot of great feedback from it. Like you said, when, when we were talking, I don't know if you had started recording yet, but it's it's funny. In the music community now, it's become this cult show because oh, yeah. it's really about three guys trying to make it in a band and living in a van and, and all the shenanigans that go on while you're on the road in, in the lower rungs of the music industry, where mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever really been broached before. We've never really seen right. that type of show before. Not like that. And, no, no, I agree. I was saying before you broke the fourth wall, right. <laughs> <laughs> a little industry term for you. Yes. I was saying it should be required watching is maybe a stack of behind the music's both seasons of Z-Rock and maybe Spinal Tap before you start becoming a musician because kind of lays it all out there between all those, you know? And it's so funny, too, because we never... Listen, when they told us we were getting our own TV show, we were like, yeah, okay. Three morons from Brooklyn are going to get their own TV show. Give me a break. And then when we did it, we still didn't realize the impact of the show. We, You know, we were so immersed in making the show and still touring. And, you know, we would do 15, 16-hour days on set and then go play a local gig. So, you know, we were so immersed in this in this making of the show, even when it was airing, that we didn't understand the impact until we went to NAM the first year after the okay. show aired. And NAM is a big, for people out there who don't know what NAM is, NAM is a really big music convention out in Anaheim, uh, California every year where all the musicians of the world gather and all these 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 people gather around to see new gear and and just hang for a great, great weekend. And when we got there, we were bombarded. We were like, what the hell is going on? So many people, especially in that community, knew the show and loved the show. So it was the first time we really were like, wow, this show is 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 happening. Especially with the right people. It doesn't even matter how big it is. It's the right people. Right. And it's a slow burn. You know, It's still going. You know? It's just going to keep going. It's kind of show that now it just kind of goes into its own little cult status. It's it's great. So for people that aren't aware, and we're doing this little mini bio that people don't know, it's on his YouTube channel. Go to it, subscribe to it. He's got a lot of stuff on there we're going to talk about, but subscribe to it. And the link will be underneath because all of them are on there. He has them up there too. So you can just binge on them, which I, I do. So to that point, so what happened with the the whole Zero kind of changing over? Because I know you were in you know, like um, Trans-Siberian uh, Orchestra. You, you decided to do a lot of other things too. Yeah, so David, our bass player, was the, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra bass player for almost 15 years. Uh, I wind up being the backup drummer for almost 17 years. So we did a lot of other things from Xerox. I personally got a little bit of the acting bug from Xerox. I really enjoyed what I was doing. Uh, you know, and I went out there and tried to get some parts and stuff, but you know, the doors weren't opening as easily as I thought they would be after just having a hit TV show. So I decided, like, okay, let me, you know, I'll go the Rocky Balboa or Sylvester Stallone route and I'll write my own show and mm-hmm. I'll play the character that I can write for myself. I can't play 
a scientist or I can't play, you know, something out of the box, but I sure as hell can play Joey from Brooklyn. Oh, so, I'd pay to see you as a scientist. I'd pay <laughs> to see you as a scientist. <laughs> oh, God, it would be great. Me too, actually. I would pay for it too. Just me trying to pronounce some of the words with my Brooklyn oh, accent. Oh, my God, right there. That's it. <laughs> but I went out, you know, you know, ZO2 is still together, but I still, you know, I had this acting bug and I went out and I started writing my own scripts and stuff. And I created this show called Wrestling with Joey Licious. And it really is, it's, it's much like Z-Rock. There's an episode of Z-Rock where I play the Joey Licious character. And it's a character that I made and a guest stars Chris Jericho from WWE and AEW fame. And I had been doing this Joey Licious character for years with my friends. Since I'm a little, little kid, I've been a wrestling fan and I always wanted to be Joey Licious. And, you know, in, in Z-Rock, they actually wanted us to play like, quasi wrestling characters like Hulk, me dressed up like Hulk Hogan and Paulie dressed up like Roddy Piper. And I said, well, why don't we make our own wrestling characters? And that's where Joey Licious was first born there. And from that, I basically wrote a spinoff around it. Once again, it's funny. You don't even have to be to wrestling. So I'm trying to tell people it's, it's good on its own. Well, that's definitely the goal. The goal is definitely not, it's not a wrestling based show. It's just like Xerox is not, it, it's, of course, there's music involved, but you do not need to be either a fan of our music or rock and roll music to like Z-Rock. Same no. thing with wrestling with Joe Alicious. You do not even need to know anything about wrestling to enjoy the show. You've got to be a fan, a fan of laughing, of comedy is really, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's just, it's comedic situations that you have to be a fan of. If you like two people who should not be in a certain situation acting in that situation, you'll like wrestling with Joe Alicious. And the, and, the, and the guys you have, too, are pretty well-known. Even if you don't know, follow wrestling, you know who the wrestlers are. So seeing them give you a hard time is exactly it's, right. It's, it's I mean, so I, got, I literally got most of the, the wrestling legends from the 80s and 90s on board with the show. We filmed before Roddy Roddy Piper passed away. We filmed with Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snooker, The Iron Sheik, Mick Foley. We just did our recent episode with Jake the Snake Roberts where, you know, to put a, a perspective on the, the situation Jake and I are in, we basically reenact a scene from Saturday Night Fever <laughs> underneath the Verrazano Bridge. So, you know, when you see these two guys who should not be underneath the Verrazano Bridge talking about and arguing what's a better movie, Staying Alive or Saturday Night Fever, h- hilarity is- ensues. It is funny. I, I saw that one. That's, 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 that was my first gateway drug into the, uh, the Joey Lucius <laughs> wrestling ones. Good so one to start that. with. Yeah, it is a good one to start with. And, you know, um, unfortunately, you're doing other things. And unfortunately, you, you know, we have a passing from one of your fellow musicians, um, David. Because at that point, he was probably playing in what? He's an adrenaline mob, right? And you were doing yeah, other D- stuff. Yeah, David, the ZO2 bass player, we were on a, a hiatus at that point. And, you know, we were all doing our own thing. Paulie moved out to L.A. And I was doing stuff on Broadway at that time, called, uh, a show called The Great Comet with Josh Groban. And David was playing with Adrenaline Mob as well as Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra. And while Adrenaline Mob was on the road, their, their trailer broke down and they pulled over to the side of the road, off the road, and an 18-wheel truck clipped the trailer and just demolished it. And, you know, David was caught under the trailer and unfortunately passed away. It was tragic. And, you know, we, we still haven't recovered. Paulie's his brother still haven't. We still feel it to this day even talking about it now i couldn't i'm sorry i didn't mean to get too deep on it either just no kinda, it's 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 on okay a, it's... on a linear lines of like we're acknowledging that because i didn't want to just like also not because he's a part of the history and he's such a strong talent i do want to acknowledge him as part of the you know what i'm saying 
Oh, he's he's, so- he's everything. Every I I look around my studio here. He's part of everything that I've ever done. So and I didn't know him. Be- I knew I knew him through Adrenaline Mob. So when it happened, I knew what happened. But I didn't have the connection of this right. Iraq right. and you at that point. So that's how I knew probably the first um, thing. Yeah, just an unnecessary tragedy that just didn't need to happen. It's just so unfortunate that the world got gypped of more years and and stuff that David was going to do. Yeah. It is so. It's so crazy. You guys were actually separate too for a while, like that. Um, at that point, did you still keep on with what you're doing, or do you kind of like have to shift gears? No, you know, Paulie too. Same thing. We were strong. We, we never. So, from there, where were you moving into at that point? Because yeah, so you know, Paulie and I never wavered. Of course, it was a, it was a, a tragedy what happened. Like I mentioned, when it happened, I was currently on Broadway doing a Broadway show doing eight shows a week. So I didn't have a second to, to breathe and, and, you know, time to, you know, grieve and take some time off. You know, I was so busy doing these eight shows a mm-hmm. week. You know, I did over 600 shows with the great Commodore Broadway. And it was some of the best, best times of my life. I love, you know, I have a family now. I was, I did the road warrior work for many, many years. Yeah. And, you know, it felt so nice to be able to just travel into Manhattan every day, do a couple shows on Broadway, not set up my gear, not sound check, get an amazing paycheck, get benefits for my family, come home, sleep in my own bed, tuck my kids in, and then go back and do it the same day. It was a great schedule. Yeah, I can imagine that. At this point, it already sounds bananas, your career, like because you just want to be a rock guy playing drums from, from New York, and you've already played with Kiss, had an IC show, <laughs> night on Broadway. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. Yeah, it's it's funny how, you know, I always said, you know, when a door closes, many people, you could just sit there and kind of just wait for another door to open. I, I was never that type of person. If a door closed in front of me, I would always be looking right and left, breaking down seven or eight other doors, seeing what's behind them, seeing what else I could be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I, you know, always shifting gears. You know, even I was on Broadway and so many people would just be so happy to relax and do that every night and kind of, you know, breathe for a minute. But while I was literally, I live in New Jersey right now, and I would travel back and forth using public transportation on, on the, uh, like this commuter bus every day. And I'd have a nice long ride and then I'd be out of the show and I'd be drained in the middle of the night. And I started writing my autobiography on this bus, literally on my iPhone notes, just jotting down some things that, you know, like you said, we, this career is what the hell is happening? How did you get this stupid kid growing up in Brooklyn that wanted to play drums? How did you get to tour with Kiss, your favorite band, and then, you know, get your own TV show? I said, you know what? I got to write this stuff down one day for my kids to read. Never it's think. Mr. Magoo. Of- you know, remember Mr. Magoo? <laughs> yes. Kind of these great things. He's going to fall in front of him, and he just kept going. And Mr. that's Magoo really what it was like. Like, I would just stumble onto the next thing. And it would just take off. And it, the, whatever the new thing was, that became the next best thing that I was doing. Right. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't even going to release this autobiography, no intentions. And I started shopping it around a little bit with some publishers. And I wind up releasing it a couple, it was about, almost three years ago now. And it was the number one rock biography on Amazon. I beat Paul Stanley and, and Motley Cruz the Dirt and all these books that were on there. I, I passed them. I was the number one rock biography. I have no idea how, but it's sold incredibly well. And it's still weirdly selling 
really, really well, and I'm getting great feedback from it. That's awesome. It will be one I read. I've got so many books to read, but I will. And it's definitely on my list. There it is right here. I'll show you. Yeah. See, oh, yeah. There it is right there. It's called Start With a Dream, a rock, uh, Drummer's Journey from Rock and Roll to TV to Broadway. And it really goes into the gamut of all I just talked about, all the behind the scenes and, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the music business. And it's it's a fun read. And it's, it's about a kid growing up in the 80s in Brooklyn and some of the hard times that I went through that I tried to persevere through. And, you know, here we are today. But you're still busy. It's not like you, I say I joke with the Mr. Magoo of rock. You're open, though. You were open to everything open in front of you. So it wasn't like you were like, Ugh. I'm only going to oh do drum. No. You're like this. What else is here? I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? So that's another reason why you had success, because you're open to the next step. You're aware of everything around you. And you're still doing a ton of things. Yeah. I, again, with the success of that book, you know, when, when COVID hit, wrestling with Joey Licious was ready to go into full production for network. And as everyone knows, when COVID hit, everything got shut down and you know the same thing i never look at something closed and just sit there and wait for it to reopen i always pivot and go right or left and instead of just waiting for these production companies to you know jump on board again and start filming with the success of that first book i decided okay let i already you know me and my partner wrote out two seasons worth of wrestling with joey licious already we had all the scripts written we said okay why don't we turn these in to novels and sure enough, we, you know, release, I released the first Wrestling with Joey Licious book last summer, became the number, number one bestseller again. And this summer, I just released part two. I got it right here. I'm, again, on Amazon. Chris Jericho's on the cover. It's all about basically, you know, it's, it, think of Rocky, but in the wrestling world. You know, if Rocky would, could meet, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's, it's the feel-good, dopey slob that's trying to make it in the wrestling business, but you know, bad things always keep happening because of his own stupidity. That's great. It's, I'm sure the endorsement by uh, Jericho can't hurt. And he's and he's up at a point now where you almost people are starting to just know him, just be like, oh, he's a wrestler too, because he's been doing music so long that newer audiences are coming in now. He's he's got to be like a different perspective, right? I think. Listen, I never I never like to give that son of a bitch credit, but he's a big he's an inspiration to everyone because, he, like you just said. He's a guy that never closed the door. He was a wrestler forever. Tried to become a musician. You know, I'm a musician that wanted to become a wrestler. So we're always in the same world. And he had so many doors closed to him. He was always, oh, I don't want those, that band Fozzie. He's, oh, that's the wrestler guy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just a joke. They're a gimmick. But now, like you said, Fozzie's been, become so popular with some of the songs, you know, charting on the rock charts that it's almost like, oh, he wrestles too. And I think right. that's, you know, the ultimate goal right there. Yeah. I mean, on the way, on the way up there, he did have a strong side hustle game too. He, he never gave up. So, you know, it's pretty hilarious. And you guys are hilarious together too. It's once again, it's a good chemistry. And, you know, cause part of wrestling is acting is being, of course. it's acting, but it's also comedy acting. It's, it's obviously it's physical. So physical. <laughs> that's too, it's too physical it's, for me. I'm an actor. It's a young man's game. Wrestle. Yeah. So now, though, you're also doing a tour. You also tour sometimes. Yep. With, I don't know, the crazy knuckleheads. Um, I know the, the dangerous one is Circus Lemonade, which is the <laughs> funniest one I've heard. That's, um, my, that's my personal favorite. But, yeah, we still don't really technically have a name. Uh, it's me, Eric Martin from Mr. Big, 
and then those other two knuckleheads from Jersey, PJ and Steve Brown from Trickster. You know, we we tour, we do some, we do a lot of fly dates here and there. So much fun doing all the Mr. Big and Trickster hits. You know, we don't really call ourselves anything. We call ourselves Eric Martin and Trickster. Whatever you want to call us, it doesn't matter. It's it's a great time. You know, some of those songs are classics for all time. Me as a drummer, it's so much fun playing those Mr. Big songs. They're not only Pat Torpy is one of the greatest drummers of all time, but oh, yeah. challenging parts with feel and emotion. Just I couldn't ask for anything better right now. Just the energy of all you guys too. It's a it's a great fun time. It's it's, it's really just honoring the songs, having fun with them, but but it's honoring the music. You know, it's just a fun time to, to do that. You playing with them. So you also have a YouTube show. You do it. You're on <laughs> top five. Yeah, I have again. COVID hit, so you know I, I couldn't hang out with my buddies and bullshit and have a couple of drinks. So rather than just sitting home and doing nothing, I you know I pivoted once again and like so many others, started their own podcast. And it's really, it's a podcast really just for me to hang out with my buddies and reminisce mm-hmm. and talk nostalgia stuff where we, you know, we do our top five favorite things of really any subject, any genre. Like this week's episode that just came out today, we did our top five Sylvester Stallone movies. No Rocky, no Rambo. That's the only rule. So, you know, it's just fun reminiscing with the guys, having a couple of drinks, it's it's been so much fun reconnecting and you know we've had a lot of great guests on eric martin's been on and chris has been really on funny. and yep. the guys from twisted sister have been on i got a lot of fun guests coming up it's just it's something to do to kind of just not you don't have to get out and go to a bar and go to someone's house you press record on zoom you bullshit for an hour you have a couple mm-hmm. of drinks and the meeting is over it's great I agree. I, I mean, that's I did. I, everyone did it. Does a podcast? I did mine. I didn't even know how many were out there. I just said, you know what? Mine started with you know, do this up ahead tour. I had some things I wanted to talk about that I think the fans want to wear behind the scenes. So I got in touch with Tweezel. We did a little you know interview. Actually, Friday I did a few others, and also next thing you know, I just you know all these bands just needed some promotion and talk that's about them great. And, and support the bands. And I'm like, and also I turn around, I'm like, I didn't realize there's so many of the shows out there. I probably wouldn't have done it if I realized I would have felt like <laughs> I would have felt like I'm such a clone of a clone of a copy of a copy. But I just did it because I thought it'd be a fun thing. It's you know, it's not only fun to do, but guys like me as guests, even though I have my own show now, I love coming on, you know, and to other people's show. And of course, I always have something to promote and talk about. And I love to reach new audiences. Obviously, mm-hmm. everyone's own audience is limited. So my fans know about everything that I do, but opening up to a new fan base is, is something every artist or performer should strive for. Well, now you're going to have some big numbers in the convalescent homes because that's my audience is strong in the convalescent homes. Yes. As long as they buy, as long as they buy books. <laughs> you do have large print because that's really your core. Uh, well, I think the Kindle version comes in extra large print. I can tell you, man, as I get older, I can't do, you do the books. You're trying to open them bigger now. Get a regular paperback book. It's hard. My eyesight. I, so I don't, you know, I, I argue with my wife all the time. I think it's because of my book. My wife just says it's because I'm getting old. Since I wrote my first book, especially because I would literally be on the bus, like I said, one o'clock in the morning on my mm-hmm. notes app when I first started it, my eyes have never been the same. I used to have perfect eyesight. Since then, it's very hard for me to read a, a book without glasses now. It's hard. I, I used to read books all the time. I said, for convenience, I started a lot of books. I put them on a Kindle or whatever, an iPad. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired of devices. You know, I like to pick up a guitar or play a record player. I'm just really kind of go non-digital times in my day. So I bought a nice paperback book. I'm like, 
hell? <laughs> you can't make it bigger. And I'm like under the lamp and I got like magnifying glasses. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to go back to digital because Yeah, when, when you can't open again, you can't do that spread and try to open not, something up, yeah. it's it stinks. It is pretty crazy. But yeah, and these these are these are fun and it, it's great to see. I think it's great to see people in different spaces where they wouldn't see like they wouldn't see you or like or Eric Martin or, or Jericho just kind of joking around and having fun, you know. Or um that's great. Like for me, I get I'll, I'll talk, I'll be a fan and I'll ask questions that maybe a fan would ask. I didn't mean to say right. That, that are you know like I, poor, poor Eric like I, I'm like what the hell is an album cover I'll be asking some people like some crazy album covers like what were you guys thinking like what is you know not, not disrespectful but I'm like I had this album for like 15 years and I don't understand it still and a lot of times they go I don't even know like you know what I mean or or, or you can ask like weird stuff and it's respectful because you want to promote their stuff and let people say right. hey here they are and this but this is who they are they're not because rock stars a fun term so human beings and when you read these things on TV and it's like. This guy was such a jerk. I was at a restaurant with him, and he wouldn't sign an autograph. He was eating dinner with his family. Everyone has to eat dinner. Like exactly, right. that's where the line draws, you know. Or and the first show started off with like, you know, how much t-shirts cost, you know. And that show Weasel broke down. How much it cost for a t-shirt? The, this, the make, the that, the travel, the bus. The, I didn't even know the. I knew some stuff, but I didn't even know they take a percentage of the shirts when you go into a venue. I didn't even know like the mob. Of course, of course. I I, I know, but I've never done that much. I I would just go for music, but I didn't, you know. Learn right. that, and so, but that's something the fans need to know. When you're paying for a forty dollars shirt, that's not the problem. They're not eating caviar on the bus, laughing. Right. They're, they're, the they're band doesn't numbers. even get a half, not even a close to half of that. No way, not even close. They get they a tiny pay piece them. of that. Yeah, then you got to pay yeah. them, print, pre-print them, pull them in the gas behind. Then you got to pay somebody to actually stand in the booth to sell them. You know, yeah. luckily with you know with today's media, obviously you know in the seventies and the eighties and even the nineties to some extent. You know, the rock stars and the, and the actors and the celebrities were all separated from the general public. And, you know, it, it did have this kind of mystique about it that yeah. was amazing. And you couldn't get to, you know, when I was a kid, I would have given anything to meet Kiss. There was no meet and greets back then. That, that was a separate thing. But now, you know, with technology and obviously with Zoom and stuff like this, it brings everyone closer. It brings, you know, even though, you know, people are still bigger than life and, you know, the Rolling Stones and all these bigger than life fans, mm-hmm. you could see them on a show like this. So you could see them on, you know, any kind of web show doing on their own social media and just being down to earth, whether it's responding to you on Twitter or commenting on a comment you posted on, on Instagram, it brings all that closer. And I think it's the one thing that we, it really needed the industry. You know, once the streaming yeah. happened and you, bands couldn't sell anything anymore as far as music and no one's buying CDs, we needed something. And Z-Rock kind of did that for me and for Zio too. We needed another avenue to kind of show us, show people who we were. Music wasn't selling in the, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. It was, you know, it was that streaming time period. So you know, you try to go to different forms of media to show not only who you are about your music and, and about you, but your personality. And that's what people don't understand that, that, you know, these big aloof celebrities that are still out there trying to be aloof. Celebrities with personality now are the celebrities that I think come across the best in the general public. I agree. And I, I pretty well, I couldn't say it better. And, and I think one of the things I get a lot, is like, how, how do you, how do you talk to them? You know, any of the nameless different depends on who they are and what they like for the artist. I'm like, just with words, just right, talk to them. They're and I'm gonna tell you, they're usually nicer than people I know in in, in real life. No, because I've had off camera better conversations, and I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of these people. Still, it's 
people need to realize how great you know most people are and it's not no one has these attitudes and they can't reach you but if you see someone in public and they're doing something and their family got it it's they're still you know no one likes being harassed at work like if you know someone else is something whatever and they're at work there there's a restaurant and someone comes running up to you hey i got these reports here for you can you just do this report right. like you'd be like family, what the, the hell you appreciate it but that doesn't mean you don't appreciate what's going on it just and, and the one out of ten thousand times it happens is the one time everyone hears about and that's the thing everyone reports about you know even for us like in zo2 there's no friendlier band than us. All we would want to do is hang out with the fans all night long and talk and bullshit. And we don't care about selling merch. We just wanted to hang out with everyone. I remember one night we were, I think we were in Detroit or something like that. And you know, the stage was pretty small and we would have to go through the crowd to get back to the dressing room. And I am a disgusting pig. When I walk off stage, I am a sweaty mess. I stink. You don't want to, you don't want to touch me and hug me and, and talk to me. I need about three minutes, go change my shirt, towel off, throw on some deodorant, grab a drink, and I come out. Every show, that's what I do. I run backstage, towel off for your purposes, not for mine. Trust me, you don't want to touch me. And I remember, you know, we did this one night, and we would we would literally be the last ones at the club. We, the bar, you know, the bar would be closing and throwing us out, or the theater would be throwing us out. Every night, even on the Kiss Tour, the venue would actually be closing the lights would be off and we'd still be there talking to people like out in the outskirts of, of the, the venue but this one time we saw this review like all oh, these guys in zo2 are so stuck up because they had their own tv show now they ran right off stage and they didn't even want to talk to anyone and i was like if they would have waited another three minutes we were out we were, came out for the next four hours and talked to everybody but it's just you know it's it's people's perception you can't change it sometimes no, and people, but I, and I'm hoping one of the things with these type of shows, and I would love to bring this up all the time because, because you know, it doesn't come up in a normal conversation where you talk about, you know, the price of my shirts, because, you know, an artist won't bring it up because they just deal with it. But somebody like me can bring it up, right. bring, up the, we, bring up the conversation of the family and greet, and it, you know, allows you to talk about the subject to bring it up. It's weirder for you to broach it unless you have a, a point in your conversation. But this is things that people see, and they're like, oh, you know what? Hopefully someone's going to walk away, but like, you know what? You know, if I see Joe Alicia getting some pizza or something, I'll give him a little bit of space and say hi after him. I'll find my right moment. You know what I mean? Right. And listen, don't get me wrong. If you see me out, please come and talk to me. I love talking to everyone. But there's always a moment, whether you're with your family, whatever it is, like you said, you you know, you want to just have a little bit of privacy. And and that that goes for everyone, not celebrities. It goes for anybody. Like you said, if you're if you're at lunch from work. The last thing you want is the secretary come over to you and, and talking to you about the, you didn't sign these reports. Can you do this for me yeah. right now? No, get away from me. I'm having just, my meatball hero. <laughs> With the meatballs, you more, <laughs> couldn't be any more I mean, New York. On. But, and that's the thing. And like, you know, I, I couldn't do it. There's no way I, I wouldn't be built that, you know, cause you have one bad moment. I'd have lots <laughs> of bad moments. Cause you know, yeah. I couldn't always be on. I couldn't do that. I mean, it, it's the fact you guys have the, to do that is, is just total props, you know? always give it and you know and always do that yeah and and i i think if you know if you're in the any kind of industry performing arts you sign up for that and if you if you didn't sign up for that you shouldn't have started to be in the business as it is you know then you you can be a studio musician or a theater worker where you don't come out or whatever it is if you're in if you're in some kind of performing arts your job is to be with the public too whether you like it or not True, very true. Unless you're like a blue man, and then no one would know. 
<laughs> right. You can be anonymous, right? Just be a real tall Smurf. So what are you actually working on now? What's your newest creation? What things are you doing that people can check you out on? Yeah, so again, it's always pushing Wrestling with Joey Licious. We're, we're getting ready to start full productions of the show again. We got all the major wrestlers involved. You know, we have some big networks looking at the show right now. The plan is to have it on one of the big streamers within a few months. And then hopefully by summertime, you'll see the full season one come out. So we're heavily into production and shopping and meetings and lawyers and all that stuff, all the boring stuff right now. So I'm doing all of that. Like I said, I just released the second Joey Licious book where it concludes when I battle Chris Jericho and you'll see what happens. He's basically my Apollo Creed in, in the, uh, in the book. So it kind of concludes on a, it's a, not really a cliffhanger, but a semi cliffhanger, whether the actual show follows the, the, the book to a T I'm not sure yet. That's going to depend on what, what the network likes and what they don't like. So you do a walking dead to everybody. That's what you're going to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll see. I don't know. I don't want to change the books too much. If it was my preference, I'd, I'd have straight exactly what the books are, but sometimes networks want to put their own spin on things. Agreed. Agreed. Yes, yeah, so awesome. just staying busy with that stuff. Obviously, you know, I do some recording in my studio here on the road with Eric. I do a lot of teaching, so it, I, I'm busier than ever. Are you open for other people taking students or anything? Is that something that people can reach you for? Or of course, I do. Again, since uh, the pandemic, I used to do only in-person students. I had dozens and dozens of students. I'm doing them via Zoom. I have dozens of students. I do from all over the country, even out of the country via Zoom now. It's it's such a great tool Kinda cool. to have. I, I literally will be sitting right here at my drums teaching you. And you know, please reach out to me anytime on any of my social media pages all across the board at Joey Casada. You can just private message me if you're looking for a few lessons, a trial lesson, whatever you're looking for. I'm always here. Okay, very cool. And see, and it's really impressive. I want to, you know, that like you and I could talk and connect and do this and do that on my show, whatever. Less impressive that we're so close because I'm real. I'm in. I'm outside Harford in Connecticut. I'm so, right. so close to you, right? I'm like, you know, I'm I'm always driving by your area, anyhow. But but the fact that you, all around the world, you and I could talk to somebody in Argentina and like other countries. That makes it even crazier. It's you know crazy. I mean? It's it's so amazing. And even not even just like talking. Even just today's day and age with streaming and even my books. 20 years ago, I could never do what I'm doing now, selling on Amazon, self-publishing, all that stuff. It's, it's, the world is getting bigger, but it's shrinking too. Everything is so accessible now, which is, it's great. Joe, I know we've talked about a lot of different things and we've had a few and I'd like to have you come back, but I'm going to encourage everybody, his YouTube page is the first of all the social medias because everything's on it. Got a little Joey Licious on it. He's got some book reading on it. He's got Z-Rock on it. Um, Everything's down there, really. Yeah, everything we talked about is on my YouTube page at Joey Casada. All Zio two videos opening for Kiss, and all the episodes of Z Rock are up there. And wrestling with Joey Licious clips, me fighting Jake the Snake Roberts underneath the Verrazano Bridge. All that fun stuff is all on my YouTube page. So subscribe to him. And actually, I didn't even mention myself. I never say it. Well, I'm saying subscribe to me too if you haven't. (laughs) While we're doing this, yes, but mostly subscribe subscribe to both of us. Yeah, subscribe to both of us. It's a it's a team here. It's like a tag team. We're going wrestling with this whole thing. I like and follow him on his, his, on his socials too. But all right, man. Uh, hope to see you on the tour. We'll take Dude, care, again, right? thanks so much for having me. So much fun. Uh, I'd love to come back anytime. See you soon, oh, right? We'll do it. Yep. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Bye,
Peace out.